All the jokes aside, it's about time for us to receive the word of God. And we have Pastor David waiting eagerly to deliver the word of God. We know that he has a word for us in this season. Let's open our hearts and let's put our hands together. Let's welcome Pastor David for the word. What a great day it was yesterday at the fate. I just want to, want to say a massive thank you to everybody who was involved with the fate. And it was such a tough day. I mean, it was so hot, we didn't even have to switch the barbecue on. The sausages were cooking by themselves. I mean, and uh, we had gazebos there, and the wind blew them down and destroyed them. And uh, some of the gazebos have been seen flying over the Darling Scarp there with the wind. And so it was a tough day, but the comradery was just wonderful. And I just want to say, well done, Real Life Church. Good on you. And I want to particularly say a huge thank you to Carrie Fisher, who put it all together. She's down the back there. She worked so hard over the months a bit prior to this. So well done, Carrie. We really appreciate that. And those jams out there, by the way, and these other things, it's not just jams, it's other pickles and chutney, honey, and these little bees made the honey. Amen. And we came along and we milked them and it's all there. And, and, and so a lot of effort has gone into those. And so great Christmas gifts. I think there might even be some Christmas cakes or something. Um, just... I mean, everybody who comes to Real Life Church, seriously, today, everybody can go home a winner. Just spend a dollar and you'll go home a winner. Amen. So make sure you get those things. The other thing that was on my mind is just a raster of Megan. That was a great presentation. If you didn't pick it up, we actually support them as missionaries. And so next week is our Mission Sunday. And I just this week checked to see how our missions giving is going here at Real Life Church. I like to see the figures each week. And um, we made our pledge in July. And I want you to know we're keeping our pledges. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, because I know fuel's going up, rent's going up, mortgages are going up, everything's going up, and one day we're going to go up to be with Jesus. Amen, amen. <laughs> but you're still giving. And I just want to say, well done, Real Life Church, from the bottom of my heart. And that beautiful couple, um, Rasta and his wife, Megan, we support them. And this year, we just, uh, this year, this week, we decided to increase them just a little bit more because of the wonderful work they're doing. And you know, if you were just really touched by that and you're not part of our missions giving, then make, next week, maybe you can give to our missions and it would help them out along with all of our other missionaries. Amen? Amen. Can everybody give me a big smile? It's just great to be here, isn't it? God is good. Amen. So let's just pray. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done in our lives. Father, we are just grateful to you. Lord, we're grateful that we're born again. We thank you, Lord, that somebody told us about Jesus and that now our sins are washed away and we belong to you. Thank you, Lord, that each person in this room is important to you and that you died on the cross for them. And Lord, we pray for one another. We pray, Lord, as we just uh, progress through this message today, that there'll be something in it for every one of us, some encouragement for every one of us. Every one of us. And we do pray, especially, Lord, for those today. Lord, who don't have any peace in their lives and they're, they're not right with you, that this will be the day when they get right with you. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. A long time ago, many years ago, probably about 50-odd uh, years ago, I was on a youth camp. 
on a farm in Mount Barker. We used to go down to Mount, Mount Barker. And my dad was the youth leader. And although, although I was too young to attend the youth group at that time, he allowed me to come to the camp with him. And it was a really rough camp. And the young men had to sleep in a sharing shed. It wasn't that one on the screen, but similar. Um, and the shed was made out of corrugated iron on the roof, on the walls. And it just stank awful. Um, smelled really bad. But the guys, it was a camp, youth camp. And young people, they don't know, do they? And uh, they just throw their sleeping bags down. And that's what they did. And the guys did that, made themselves comfortable. And that was our accommodation for a few days over a weekend. The young ladies slept in the shearers' quarters, but that was pretty rough for them as well. Um, but we had a lot of fun on this youth camp, and it was a Christian camp. God moved. It was wonderful. However, one night, the girls decided to give the guys a bit of a fright. Who knows that girls can be really mean? Yeah. I've got a sister. And so when they were sure that all the guys were all asleep, so this is like, I know, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, what they did, they gathered around the shed where we were sleeping, and then on time together, they threw these large rocks on the roof. And some of the girls then ran up and down the outside, running sticks against the corrugated iron walls. They did it all at the same time and yelled, Actually, what I don't have in my notes is they also put a masking tape on the doorway. So when the guys went to run out, they bounced back in. <laughs> they did all of that. But the sudden explosion of noise in the shed was just unbelievable. You know, you're sleeping and bang, bang, bang. And I'm just young. I'm not quite a teenager. I think I'm about 11 or 12. I just woke up in a fright and the first thing that went through my mind was, and this is the truth, first thing was that Jesus Christ was coming back again. <laughs> I really did. I just sat up, whoa! And I, I was just gripped with fear because I was still sleeping in my sleeping bag, which meant for my little mind, I'd been left behind. <laughs> I thought Jesus had forgotten about me. I really did. And one thing I knew about, about the return of Jesus is that you don't want to be left behind. That was not a good thing, and it's still not a good thing. But then, in my panic, I turned my head and saw that my dad was still in his sleeping bag too. And so I knew that Jesus would never leave him behind. <laughs> and so everything was okay. And those girls certainly gave me a big fright that night. But after all these years, 52 years or something later, I still remember that event fairly clearly, you know, at that youth camp because I thought I'd been left behind at the return of Jesus Christ. Of course, I've since learned that Jesus Christ would never leave any of his followers behind. But you need to be his follower. Amen? Four weeks ago, on October the seventh, we were all shocked to hear that thousands of rockets are being launched into Israel as hundreds of Hamas terrorists entered Israeli territory by land, sea, and air. They say it was about 5,000 rockets. Rishon and I have been in Israel in 
2014. And there's always a rocket being fired into Israel several a week. And they're not accurate. They can land anywhere, land on farms, land on people, land out in the bush. And so when we're on holidays, we decide to not go south of Tel Aviv because of the rockets. So it always happens. But this time it was thousands, 5,000 rockets, they estimate. We also heard that over several hours, these terrorist cowards then committed unspeakable atrocities against men, against women, against children, and even against babies. And then they did something that um, is particularly evil. These evil individuals, twisted, sick individuals, then took some video clips of their murderous actions, including what they did to babies, and then they posted these clips online for all the world to see. And then pro-Palestinian people around the world gathered together in different locations, seeing these things online, and before anybody had a chance to respond, these people gathered together to celebrate the murderous actions of Hamas against the Jews. These people did not denounce the Hamas terrorists. And I've listened to lots of podcasts and I can't find any Palestinian leader who denounced the Hamas terrorists, not one. You might be able to find one. Good luck to you. But instead what they did is they celebrated their atrocities. There's images of them actually uh, exchanging lollies and candies celebrating the slaughter of uh, these innocent people. And so consequently... Because of that brutal incursion into Israel, the world, once again, now finds itself on the precipice of a potential world war that is centred around Israel and its response to Hamas. And therefore, because of this dire situation and because of other disturbing global events, including natural disasters and in other international conflicts, Christians are asking, and I've had a number of people come speak to me about this, and this is why I'm talking about this. Christians are asking if we will soon see the return of Jesus Christ and the conclusion of human history. Are we on the verge of the return of Jesus Christ? Is Jesus Christ coming back? Is he, is he coming back soon? And for some people, this may seem like an odd question, but the reason why Christians are asking about the return of Jesus is because Jesus himself and the Bible prophets prophesied that Jesus would return a second time. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 30, for example, it says this, and you've got it on the screen. Jesus said this, it says, Then at last the sign that the Son of Man... Jesus often called himself the Son of Man. So this is Jesus speaking of himself. Then at last the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And then they will see the Son of Man. They will see Jesus coming on the clouds of heaven with power and with great glory. And he will send out his angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the furthest ends of the world, earth and the heavens. There are literally scores 
of scriptures like that one you've got on the screen that prophesy the return of Jesus Christ and prophesy the end of the world. And brothers and sisters, we should take all of these scriptures very seriously. So that's one thing. And Christians also link the return of Jesus with what happens in Israel together. Jesus coming, coming, the things that are happening in Israel, Christians link them together. And the reason why they do that is because the Bible also clearly prophesied that the Jews would one day return to the Holy Land that God would give them. And we've seen that happen within recent times. The Jewish people have been in exile since 70 AD. That's a long time ago. That means they've been in exile for about 2,000 years. God warned Israel through the prophets that the exile would happen if they did not turn away from their wickedness. And they kept being wicked. And so sure enough, God used the Romans to exile the Jews And then the Romans, an emperor named Hadrian, this is history, he renamed the Holy Land, he renamed it Palestine. He got the word Palestine from a word we read in our Bible, Philistine. The Philistines don't exist today. They disappeared from the pages of history. And Hadrian took it as a curse of the land. He didn't take it to name a group of people. He took it to curse the land. And it was a Roman insult to the Jews as he demanded that they be exiled around the world. And in fulfillment of Bible prophecy, the the land of Palestine then became a wasteland. It's been a wasteland for nearly 2,000 years. Palestine became a terrible and desolate place to live and it was shunned by the nations of the world and different nations claimed it as theirs and conquered it um, throughout the last uh, you know, 2,000 years. But nobody really wanted to live there. It was just desolate. It was a wasteland, an awful place to live. However, through the centuries, there's never been a time when a remnant of very poor Jewish people weren't living in Palestine. They've always lived there. Most were exiled, but a remnant was living in um, Palestine, along with Christians also, poor Christians, Jews living together. Nonetheless, for nearly 2,000 years, most of the Jews were scattered among the nations of the world, suffering terrible hardships, unspeakable hardships, including, of course, we know about the Holocaust, I don't know if you know how severe the Holocaust was. It was so bad that by the end of the Second World War, two out of three Jews had been murdered in the Holocaust. Two-thirds of the Jewish population in Europe had been murdered in the Holocaust. Unspeakable suffering for these people. But God had made a promise 4,000 years ago to an old man about Israel. And that old man's name was Abraham. And this is what the Bible says. God said to Abraham, the ancestor of the Jews, he said, so the Lord, the Bible says, so the Lord made a covenant with Abraham that day and said, I've given this land to your descendants all the way from the borders of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. And I cut the verse there. He goes describing all the land. This is the holy land that God promised to Abraham 
and his descendants who are the Jews. And God is faithful to all his promises. I'll say it again. God is faithful to all his promises. And so because of his promise to Abraham, God has said to Israel prior to their exile, he said this to them. This is God's promise to them. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I will gather you and your children from the east and the west. I will say to the north and south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Jeremiah says this, God says, For I will bring them back to this land that I gave their ancestors. And so in fulfillment of God's word, over the past 120 years or so, more than 3.5 million Jews have immigrated to the land of Israel, the Holy Land, from all over the world, from the north, Europe, south, east, and west, in literal fulfillment of God's promises. It is a miracle. And they've transformed. This is the thing. The Jews have come back and they've transformed the wasteland of Palestine back into a land of milk and honey. No other people group has managed to survive an exile that was 2,000 years long. Never been done in all of human, human history. And then again to re-establish a national sovereignty. And so in 1948, Israel became a nation in fulfilment of Bible prophecy. Now listen, everybody, look at me, look at me. God did not bring the Jews back because they are godly people. I met a lot of Jewish people while we were there, young people in particular, and they had no idea about God at all. They're a small group called Zionists who are very dedicated to the Lord, Lord but they only make up about 2% of the Jewish population. Oh, we got a leak going on there. I was wondering what you... I thought you were going to get me a coffee or something. It just... Okay, the air conditioner's... Okay, that's all right. That's okay. I just wasn't sure whether to put a button. It's all right. It's good. It's good. Thank you. <laughs> Jewish people need Jesus like everybody else does. Um, there's only one way to heaven and that's through Jesus. So, so God didn't bring the Jews back to Israel because they are particularly godly people. God brought them back to the Holy Land because he had made a promise to an old man by the name of Abraham. And we need to evangelize the Jews. So today, we are seeing the fulfillment of Bible prophecy right before our eyes. And this is a key sign that Jesus Christ is coming back again. And please note that the devil hates the Jews. The scriptures I could use to show you that. And also, the devil hates Christians too. If you're a Christian, he hates you. He hates the Jews. He hates the Christians. And that's why Israel is in constant conflict. And, the, the, and also, I'm, I'm being very careful and measured in what I'm saying today, of course. Um, the conflict in Israel today is not about the land. It's got nothing to... Don't, don't, whatever the signs say when they're protesting, it's not about the land. That's a red herring to distract the Western world and gain sympathy uh, for a particular cause. The conflict in the Middle East is about centuries of hatred towards the Jews that stretches right back to Muhammad himself who laid the foundation for hatred towards the Jews. And we glimpse that hatred when the pro-Palestinians were dancing in the streets over the murder of Jewish people. So these current events concerning Israel 
are signs pointing to the return of Jesus Christ. And I have no doubt, you can disagree, that's fine, but I have no doubt that we are living in the last days for sure. Do I think this current conflict will escalate into a world war? Probably not this time. The very fact there's two giant aircraft carriers nearby probably will not let that happen this time. But it could. It could. But if not this time, then maybe the next time. Because mark my words, there will be a next time. Do I believe we're in the last days? Brothers and sisters, we are in the last days. But nonetheless, there is an even more compelling sign that Jesus Christ is about to return and bring human history to a close. More compelling sign than what's happened in Israel. More compelling. And Jesus Christ, speaking of himself, said this. We've got this verse on the screen. It says, Jesus said, when the Son of Man, he's speaking of himself, returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. When I come back, it will be like what it was in Noah's day. And he said, in those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. That's what Jesus Christ said. Jesus said he will come on the day when the world today is like it was in Noah's day. Noah's day is like a yardstick. Noah's day, when Noah's day was about four and a half thousand years ago. So we must ask the question, what was it like in Noah's day? Well, let's let the Bible tell us what it was like. It says in the book of Genesis, you've got the verses on the screen. The Bible tells us that the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything that they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he'd ever made them and put them on the earth. What a sad statement that is, ladies and gentlemen. God was sorry he'd ever made people and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I've created from the face of the earth. Yes. And I will destroy every living thing or the people. The large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So what was it like? This is important. What was it like in Noah's day? Well, the Bible says that the people were wicked. It says that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. These ancient people were so bad that God was sorry He had made the people and put them on the earth. And their wicked behaviour broke the heart of God. Did you know that you can break the heart of God? I'll ask again. Did you know it's possible to break the heart of God? And so God stepped in to the world and he brought judgment upon the people of that time with a global flood. And God can do that 
Because God is the divine judge of all the earth. And only Noah and his family were saved. Eight people in all. This historic event is meant to be a warning sign for us today. Noah's flood tells us that God does not ignore wickedness. And we know that because that's why God sent Jesus' son into the world the first time, Bethlehem, the first time 2,000 years ago. Jesus came the first time to make a way for us to avoid the judgment that comes because of our wickedness. Jesus did this by paying the price for our sins with his life. Praise the Lord. And so today, you could say, Jesus is now like Noah's ark. Noah's ark is a symbol for Jesus. Just as Noah and his family were saved from drowning by getting on the ark, so Jesus Christ saves us from the judgment of God when we surrender our lives to him and receive the forgiveness for our sins that he's able and only he is able to give. If Noah had not gotten on the ark, none of us would be here today. If Noah had not gotten on the ark, just get on the ark, Noah. And he did it. If he had not have gotten on the ark, he would have been destroyed in the flood. It's the same with Jesus Christ. If you don't surrender your life to Jesus Christ and ask him for mercy, then you too will be destroyed for your own wickedness when Jesus Christ comes again in judgment. But today is the day of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth and the life. There's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. Only Jesus can save you today. But here we are, 2023, 2024's knocking on our door. The year is flowing by. And we must ask a very important question. Is the world a wicked place? Is it? Are we as wicked as the people in Noah's day? What do you think? Everybody needs to ask this question themselves. What do you think? You've got your opinion. I've got mine. Could, could Jesus be getting ready? Could he be getting ready right now to return so he can bring salvation to those who follow him, but bring judgment upon those who don't? Could he be getting ready? Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote. He said this in uh, 2 Timothy. He said, In the last days, there will be very difficult times. That word difficult can also mean dangerous times. It's going to be bad times. In the last days, there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves. Anybody been watching social media? Well, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. Another word for ungrateful, perhaps... They will be entitled. They will consider nothing sacred. 
They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. In other words, they're not the real thing. Stay away from people like that. Through the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul looked down through time. He looked down through, by the Holy Spirit, he looked down through the centuries to the time when Jesus would return and he saw our time. The Apostle Paul just described our world in these verses. He saw a world where nothing is sacred. He saw a world where people are obsessed with themselves. He saw a world where people scoff at God. He saw a world that mocks a person for being a follower of Jesus. He saw a world that's full of pain and anxiety. He saw a world that's corrupt, violent, and very wicked. He saw a world where people dance in the streets over the murder of babies in Israel. He saw a world where young people are confused over whether they're a boy or a girl. He saw a world that caused good bad and bad good. He saw our times. He saw our world. And you, and you know that the world is wicked when pastors, when I as a pastor have to be really careful what I say because some of you could potentially lose your jobs if your employer knew that you attended a Bible-believing church like ours. That's true. That's happening across Australia. And so if you think I'm a bit over the edge, this is me restrained today. Amen. <laughs> and this is Australia. Freedom of speech. This is Australia. We're the two first prime ministers of Australia were born again Christians who fasted and prayed over the writing of the Constitution. This was a nation that was built upon the Ten Commandments. This was a nation, was not a perfect nation, but it was a nation where most people feared Almighty God. Do you know the preamble where it mentions God in the Australian Constitution? That was not because of the politicians. The politicians thought we'd leave God out of the Constitution. They thought that would be going over the top. But there was such a public outcry in the nation of Australia because Australia in the early 1900s, late 1800s, wanted God to be acknowledged in the Australian Constitution. So here we are today where I'm trying to be as measured as I can while I'm preaching God's word. This is Australia, what's happened. Australia is a nation that desperately needs to turn to Jesus Christ. Australia needs Jesus. We need to pray for Australia. We need to love Australia. We need to show the kindness of God and preach the gospel. Is our world like it was in Noah's day? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you don't think it is, something's wrong with you. You, need, you, you become hard of heart. Of course it's like it was in Noah's day. The armies of heaven are getting ready to follow Jesus and bring our world to a close. Amen. Nearly finished. Something went very wrong with the Israeli security network on October the 7th. Something went really wrong. Israel has one of the best and most sophisticated security networks of any nation on the earth. Yet the Hamas terrorists caught Israel napping. Israel were not ready. They were distracted. They were unprepared for what happened. And everybody, brothers and sisters and those online... Jesus Christ is coming again. So, dear brother and sister, 
Don't you be caught napping on that day. Be prepared for what's going to happen. The Bible says this to us in the book of Romans. It says time's running out. Wake up. Wake up. Body of Christ, wake up. Church, wake up. David Warwick, wake up. Wake up. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armour of right living. This is not a time to be like the world. It's not a time to put our anchors down here. You've come so far in your faith. Wake up. Your salvation is nearer than when you first believed. This world will soon pass away and everything with it, including your TV, your house, your car and your computer and your job and your mortgage. Amen. But those who belong to the Lord will with the Lord forever and ever and ever. And Jesus said this. He said, for the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and then he will reward, then he will reward, then he will reward each person according to what he has done. And he said this in Revelation, look, I'm coming soon and my reward is with me to pay each one according to what he has done. So stay awake, wake up, be alert, be alert. For in a little while, Jesus will come to take you home and he has great rewards to give to you as you remain faithful to him. In conclusion, as a young fella at that youth camp 50 odd years ago, while lying in a smelly sheep shed, I thought the end had come. I really did. And I thought Jesus had left me behind. And it was such an awful feeling. But you know what? I'm glad I had that experience. I'm glad that happened to me. I'll tell you why I'm glad it happened to me. Because that memory has helped to keep me on track with Jesus Christ throughout my life. Because I don't want that to happen for a real thing. I don't want to ever trade my salvation for the things of this fallen world. I've come too far now to quit. I want to go all the way with Jesus. I want to go to heaven. I want to be with Jesus. What about you? What about you? What about you, dear brother, dear sister? You've come too far to quit now. Keep going. Jesus is coming again. Heaven is racing towards you. So stay strong. Stay clean. Tidy up your life. Tell people about Jesus. Stay true to Jesus. And you will be richly rewarded in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Come on, everybody. Let's just pray. We're going to wrap the service up in just a moment. But God is here. The Holy Spirit is with us today. He always comes. As we honour Him, focus our attention on Him. As we lift our voices in praise to Him. The Lord is so good. And it's so good that you're here today. May God bless you. But I just want to speak to two groups of people. We're going to be finished in just a moment. But this is a challenge. The Holy Spirit has stirred your heart today. And I want to ask you this question, the first group of people. If Jesus did come back again today... Just say if he did. 
just today. And then that's it. He comes back. He's coming back for those who love Him and follow Him to rescue them and our salvation will be complete. And then His attention will turn to judgment. If Jesus Christ came back again, what would happen to you? Would He come to rescue you? Would He come to take you to heaven? Or would you miss out because you're not right with God? Well, you're here today, not by chance. You're here today because God is speaking to your heart. Because today is a day of salvation. Today is not the day when He's coming back. Today is a day of salvation. Today is your opportunity, your chance to get right with God, whether you're young or old, a man or a woman. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. You can get right with God today. The Holy Spirit of God is here. He's knocking on the door of your heart. And He's challenging you to open your... He's encouraging, urging you to open the door of your heart and say, Almighty God, I recognise that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, as the pastor has been speaking about. He's paid the price. And I'm so grateful for that. So today I ask you, Almighty God, to have mercy upon me and forgive me. That's the kind of attitude of the heart you need to have. And then you know what God's going to do? He's going to respond. He's going to forgive you of your sins. And he's going to give you a place in heaven as you put your trust in Jesus Christ. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, let's just have a sacred moment. Let's have a sacred moment. God is here. If that's you today, you're saying, yes, Pastor, would you pray for salvation for me today? Absolutely. Absolutely. But the most important thing is, is, is that you be sincere about this as you reach out to God. If that's you, give me a, a wave of your hand and I'll pray for you in Jesus' name. Just give me a wave of your hand if you're saying, I want to be right with God. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you down the back. Anybody else? Oh, yeah, over there, right down on the back row. Thanks, mate. Anybody else? Okay, we're going to pray. Why don't we all pray? I just got a prayer. And it's always good that we all pray. I think it makes it easier for those who have raised their hands. But those of you just raise your hand, put your hand upon your heart. And let's all pray this prayer together. And those who raise your hand, you need to get a Bible too. And we've got Bibles to give you after church, free. But you need it. You need it for Jesus to make you strong. But let's pray this prayer. Pray it from your heart. Everybody praying together. Here we go. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and ask you to come into my heart and life. I choose to trust and follow you, Jesus, as my Lord and Saviour. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Father, we just pray blessing upon those who have been reaching out to you today. Whatever sins they've committed, we thank you that you're washing them all away. We pray they'll never be the same again. We pray they'll follow you all the days of their life. We bless them. We bless them. We bless them in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, this world is a very seductive place. Very, very seductive to Christians. There's temptations all around us. And what happens as you go through life And I know how it is because I live the same life as you guys. We're all in this together. Life has a way of drawing you in. Life has a way of, you know, causing our hearts to become hard. 
Sometimes our principles can be eroded. Sometimes we are given to compromise when we think, oh, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. God understands. We love Jesus with all our heart. But, you know, we're getting bombarded every day. And without realising it, our hearts can get cold. We can become compromised. It's not like we intend to do that. It's not like we step out of the door of the house and think, oh, I'm going to compromise my faith today. But what does happen is it sneaks up on you. It's seductive. It tricks you. And, you know, it gets you without realising what's happening. And that's why the Scriptures say, wake up. Be alert. Open your eyes. See what's happening to you. And we could be backsliding without even realising, oh God, I'm backsliding until we hear a message like this. And then the Holy Spirit comes along and says, come on, come on, you need to return back to your first love. What's happened to you? Wake up, wake up. And so again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to pray for people today who really feel that they have slipped away, that you are backslidden. You're not, you're not where you was. And you know, you, you, you've given to compromise. And today you, your heart has been challenged, pricked by the conviction of the Holy Spirit to do something about it today. And I encourage you to reach out to God, confess your sins and say, Oh Lord, have mercy upon me. Oh Lord, I return to my first love and His name is Jesus Christ. And if that's you today, again, as we have a sacred moment, can we pray for you? Can I pray for you, dear brother? Can I pray for you, dear sister? Would you give me a wave of your hands just before we conclude this service? I'd like to pray for anybody whose heart is backslidden in Jesus' name, but you've got to give me a wave. And I know God bless you. 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 Thank you. God bless you. And you know, you're lifting your hands to Jesus today. Anybody else? And I know there's some people here today and you're feeling very, very uncomfortable. You can put your hand back down again, darling. God bless you. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Please respond to the Holy Spirit. I urge you to. Can we pray for you? We're going to pray right now. We're going to pray right now. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Backslider, come home to Jesus today. Come home to Jesus. Then, Father, I just thank you for this wonderful church. I thank you for each other. Thank you for our congregation. And, Lord, it is tough out there. Man, it's just so many pressures upon those who choose to follow you. But today we thank you that we've received encouragement in your word. Lord, to keep our eyes upon you. And we pray for one another. We pray especially right now for those who've had the courage to actually admit that they're not where they were. Lord, they've admitted that they're backslidden. And, Father, we pray for those who have just admitted that, that, Lord, as they repent of their sins, that you'll have fresh mercy upon them today and that, Lord, you'll restore to them their first love for Jesus Christ. Lord, as they turn their back upon the world and follow you, we pray you'll open up the windows of heaven over them and restore every good thing back to them. May they be strong in the Lord. May the glory of God be seen in them. We pray for all of our backsliders. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said, and they shouted, well, God is good all the time. God is so good. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand. Let's sing the goodness of God. Come on. It's a beautiful song.